Hey, this is John Guthrie, and we are under the tower for our podcast this week. And we have a special guest. His name is Rob Maxwell. Many of you probably know him because he is the guy who uses evidence-based practices to help people become and stay fit. And he's written two books. One is You Can't Outrun a Poor Diet. And the other is There is a Method to the Madness. So welcome, Rob. Thank you very much. It's different being on this end of the microphone. Right. You're used to doing podcasts by, or podcasts by yourself, right? Y yep. I have my yeah. own podcast called There's a Method to the Madness. Which I have listened to, and there's some really good stuff on there. And I appreciate it. And really, it. that's what we want to talk about, because it is about methods, isn't it? It's about methods, yes. And, so, and not madness. Yeah, not madness. <laughs> not just doing whatever we think on a given day. Well... Obviously, we could talk forever, and we'll definitely have you back to talk more. But one thing that I think is on people's minds is losing weight. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm I'm fascinated by what's happening with is it semaglut yes. semaglutide? Yes, yes. Um, you know, I see somebody and they drop thirty pounds. I'm like, oh man, how's it going? You know, you working out? No, I'm not working out. Oh, you changed your diet? No, but my diet, my doctor was worried about. Type 2 diabetes, so he put me on ribalsis, and here we are. Right. And so uh, that's obviously one way to do it. Right. Perhaps. Right. Yes. We don't know what the sustaining power is, and we'll talk about that. Right. But, um, you know, I've heard so many people say it's all about diet. Right. What, what would you say to that? I would 100% agree with that. You know, I'm an exercise physiologist. I'm a certified strength coach, so... Obviously, fitness and wellness is a big part of my life, but when it comes to losing weight, it's about the diet. I mean, it's just, I, I would say, I would put the number at 90%, although that's very hard to quantify, but I would say it's at 90%. That's and, fascinating. Uh, yeah, and uh, a funny story on that. When I was in my 20s, I was doing some bodybuilding, and I didn't know much yet. I was still working at, uh, actually, Stuart Marchman as a counselor, hadn't gotten into a lot of fitness and wellness stuff yet. I was just getting ready to start. And uh, me and a buddy of mine did a bodybuilding show together. And uh, we were in shape already. We worked out a lot. But, uh, you know, I went by the traditional realm of just, all right, it's time to drop weight. It's time to eat, you know, low calorie, blah, blah, blah. So we dropped weight in a hurry. In about 10 weeks, we both competed. We just did, we did well. But, but the funny part of the story was 30 years later, I was speaking in front of a group that he asked me to come and speak to. And the one thing he remembered that I told him was exactly that. And I just always found that to be pretty cool. He raised his hand, and he's, he's staying in good shape. I was proud of him. And he goes, hey, Rob, I remember years and years ago, you said it's like 90% diet. Is this still true? <laughs> and, and this is like 30 years after getting my master's degree. You know, like a lot happened in that 30 years. And I looked at him and I said, you know, Jimmy, it's the exact same thing. It's still about the diet. That's crazy to me. Yeah, right. That's crazy to me because you would think it was calories in, calories out. But the calories going in is a lot easier matter. than the calories going out, right? Yeah, right. So, so think about it this way. A, a person gave me an illustration of this just yesterday. They they were obsessed. They just lost some weight and they wanted to treat themselves. And they were obsessed with, I think it was uh, Oreo cookies and milk. So, and they're in good shape, but, but just for the math, he pounded down seven Oreos and a glass of milk. And he said he quickly did the math, and that was 560 calories. Ooh. Right. Yeah. And I said, uh, Jonathan, so how long did that take you to eat? He says, three minutes. I said, right. I said, if that's not the greatest indicator of you can't outrun a poor diet, no. I mean, we can eat 
five to 600 calories before we even blink. And to work that off, you know, say 500 calories, that's uh, somebody at say 200 pounds, that's going to be a good 40, 45 minutes on the treadmill. Right. 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 And who's got the discipline to do that every day? That's great if you do. But studies show that only 8% of Americans are on a sustainable exercise program. (laughs) That's not good. Yeah, it's not. So you couple that limited activity or commitment with how easy it is to eat, and we can see why it really does all come back to diet. I've had marathon runners who I train and coach elite fast, like three hour and 30, 20 marathons. That's a fast time, right? Gain weight. Holy cow, that's fast. That's fast, yeah. Gain weight while training for a marathon because they just think they can eat whatever they want. Right. And they put on 10 pounds through the, you know, three-month training process. So So interesting. Yeah, and and there's a lot of reasons why. I mean, number one, it's easier. It's just easier to eat, right? I mean, people get in their cars, they grab a smoothie, they grab a frappuccino, whatever. It's easier. And the second thing is when people start training hard is they really feel like they're hungrier. Right. The appetite ramps up because the blood sugar drops. So there's that's part physiological. And that's, that's real. That's As real. You when and the I have talked sh- before. Yes, yes. When the blood that's sugar real. drops, that's real. Right. Then there's a difference. So let's let's break apart two things here, diet right. and nutrition. Right. So we've yep. got diet, right. which is, I guess, what you eat and Really, it only focuses on the eating part, right? It doesn't focus right. on what ha- is happening later on. So really what we're talking about is nutrition. Right. Proper and, nutrition. And they are two different things. Like, So a lot of times people will say, well, we all do it. We, we lump health and fitness together. Right. And they're two different things. True. Right? There's people True. that are healthy and not very fit. I know people like that. There are people that are fit, like really fit, like maybe even jacked and ripped, however you want to quantify it, and they're not very healthy. Like you take somebody who is bulimic, and I'm sympathetic to that. I'm not teasing, you know, making fun of that at all, but that is not healthy. Right. On the outside, they might look very healthy. You know, anorexics, you can tell. You know, there's just, you you can tell. But bulimics look very, very normal. They look fit normal. They don't look overly skinny. So that's not healthy. No. It's fit. So those are two different things, and a lot of times we like to lump everything together, and it's really the same thing with nutrition too. Like, we we have to eat less to lose weight, but we can eat less, uh, like say bad foods, and not include enough good foods, and we might be losing weight, but we're not really also working on our health at the same time. Yeah, that, well, that's the interesting thing. So, like, I weigh two hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. And I could stand to lose at least 10 pounds, probably. But I have a fairly uh, fairly consistent workout and diet eating, and I haven't changed it a lot. But um, recently, I um, did the E-Volt. Are you familiar with the E-Volt? It's a body scan. It's okay. really cool. Okay. And it came back, and it said, you know, you should be eating 3,000 calories. And it's like... I'd never eat 3,000 calories in a day. That's a lot. And it's a lot to try to get all the amount of protein they say you should eat. Right. So what if for the listeners who are just trying to prolong their life, mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what this yeah, is all prolong about. Prolong and quality prolong of life. Prolong quality of life. Right. What, how do you go about kind of there are these diets out there, the Mediterranean diet, the low-carb diet, all this stuff, mm-hmm. which – all the research shows that when you stop doing that, 
if you change, if, if you didn't make that a habit, then you're probably going to regain your weight. Yeah, 95% of the weight comes back on those diets. That's what the statistics show. So how do we get out of diet mindset mm -hmm. and into nutrition and fueling the body for what it needs when it needs it mindset? You know, and that's what my last book is really, really about. You know, um, you can't outrun a poor diet. Right. It sounds like it's a diet book and all, and it is, but... As you and I have spoken before about the psychological part of eating and food, it's really more about that. Of course, I cover, you know, what you should eat and how much you should eat and all that kind of stuff. But it's really more about this, the, um, the principles that you develop for yourself with eating. That's the most important part to it. Um, you know, all these diets out there are... They're just money makers, you know. It, it's big marketing, right? So when I was teaching sports medicine, I had all of the students collect all of the information on all the big diets, you know, the low carb, the keto. Um, what do we do? We also did paleo. Low fat. We got it. We all. did paleo. We yeah, got we, it all. And what they came up with, which is the truth, is all of them cut calories. Mm -hmm. so they're just doing it in different ways, right? So they all cut calories, but. Of course, the sustainability of all of them isn't going to work. I mean, if you look at the old-fashioned Atkins diet, which is really the new paleo and, and right. whatever, high-protein, high high-fat, low-carb, um, how long are you going to simply be able to eat nothing but fat and protein before you start feeling awful, Yeah. right? <laughs> and, of course, uh, cardiologists have said, well, that's not the way to go, right? Right. So, that's all just a way of manipulating food, which we can only do for so long. I mean, even bodybuilders, when they're training to cut, you know, they're, they're some of the most disciplined people on earth. They really are. Anybody that can do that for 10 weeks, that's really hard. Yeah. They can't do that longer than 10 weeks. I mean, it's impossible. You've got to go back to normal eating. So really, it's about changing that lifestyle, like understanding for you what really, really works and getting into the habits. I think it's the habits that are really, really key. Like understanding what are nutrient-dense foods. That's kind of where I started my book. Like what are nutrient-dense foods? What are foods that are going to give you nutrients but not a lot of added calories? And those things would be things like complex carbs, most fruits, certain vegetables, lean proteins. Those are nutrient-dense foods. So if we understand I need those things, that's a good place to start. And then coming up with other rules. And I, I talk in my book about the old breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We got away from that. We did. <laughs> we got away I'm guilty. I don't eat too. breakfast. I, I drink coffee. And, and, uh, and it's interesting. So today I spoke at 7 a.m. Mm -hmm. And I had breakfast. Right. And I'm not starving right now like I usually am. Right. But sometimes I, if I eat breakfast, I am starving at this time. So it tells me that it probably has to do with what I ate. It has to do with what you ate. And I also think it might have to do with like timing. Like if you're used to eating it and right. then you don't eat it, your brain is kind of telling you you're hungry type of thing. Yeah. But I think establishing those habits are just so critical. You know, in the 80s and 90s, everything was about eat five small meals right. a day. Remember I remember that. that. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't true. 
That was based on the thermic effect of feeding, which basically says that we burn 5% of our calories every time we eat, right? Mm -hmm. Well, number one, that's not a big number. Right. Number two, that's the key is eating five small meals per day. Now, take most Americans, right? Right. Do you really think that meal is going to be small? No. They're going to eat five meals a day. So lo and behold, everybody's eating more. So if we go back to just kind of what our parents or grandparents, depending on how old we are, taught us, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, mm -hmm. be disciplined, don't skip, sit down, little rules that I just think really, really work, like don't eat when you drive, don't drink when you drive, eat with forks and knives and spoons, don't eat out of your hands. Like if we, if we establish little habits like that, we'll kind of get back to what we're supposed to be eating for, right. which is sustenance, right? It's right. about living, it's about feeling good. You know, too often we lump food into this is going to give me a little dopamine high but happiness and it is food i mean happiness <laughs> right. i love food happiness we all do it's like okay so how do i now manage this though like i understand that when i eat this whatever i'm gonna feel good for like five minutes i get it but like if i'm doing too much of this I'm yeah gonna the, gain crash. Weight. the crash and, and right. the crash in the afternoon right. is Painful. Yeah, you eat too much sugar, you're going to feel a crash. Right. I mean, that's but just the way no the way body around works. It. Right. So do you think it's better to be consistent and not eat breakfast and not surprise your system, or do you think we really should eat breakfast? I think we should eat breakfast. I All think right. that I'm going to start eating breakfast. <laughs> I really want to, Yeah. but I don't know. I just, you know, for some reason, I'm moving too fast in the morning, but I'm not really. No, I mean, we could I all mean, sit down and take five minutes, yeah. right? Eat a hard-boiled egg and a piece of whole wheat toast, right? right I mean, right. it's not Right, or a little oatmeal, complex. piece of fruit, something. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I like to look at what, like, successful in any realm of life people have done or do, right? Right. And I think if we look at, like, the most fit, healthy cultures and we look at what they do and, and or have done versus what sometimes people on TV or the radio are telling right. us to do— Yeah. I think we'll learn what really works. And studies show that the most fit and healthy people, number one, eat three squares meals a day. Number two, they do eat breakfast. <laughs> number three, their smallest meal of the day is their last meal of the day. So ah, these are all like, these are all keys that yeah. they do. And if we look at that and go, well, that seems to work pretty well for them. Right. I think that's always a good place to start. And, that's, and, and to your point, our ancestry probably was built on that. Right. You know? It had to be. It makes sense. Yeah. Because, we had to work. Right. And I that's mean, the difference. Right. I mean, farmers right. worked. Yeah. So they could eat a large lunch and yeah. then go back out in the fields and work again. And Until now 12, we sit so much. We sit, right. We sit way too much. Right. But we're not designed for that. No. Our body's telling us, you know, we're designed for what our ancestors were doing. We just don't do it anymore. You know, I have a client. She just turned 98. I saw that post. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And we have a little joke around my gym. You know, sometimes people will come in and they'll say, hey, Rob, you know, if she's there, her name is Gina. So they'll say, hey, Rob, what should I do about this? I'm like, I don't know. Ask Gina. Right, right. <laughs> she's 98 sure. years old yeah. and she weighs 120 pounds. She yeah. told me the other day that she's never deviated, except for pregnancy, more than two pounds in her entire That's life. That's like my mom. She's 84, same. Crazy. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. And so I always say, you know, WWGD, you know, what would Gina do? Yeah. 
And so she eats breakfast, she eats lunch, she eats dinner. She really moderates her alcohol. She's never been on a diet in her life. She's very outspoken. So if you ask her about a diet, she's going to call you something and and tell you what a joke it is. Right. So like if we look at like what people who are role models are doing, because I've been doing this 30 years and I've seen the people who have come and gone and like are right. always asking for diet advice and I send them meal plans, they follow it for a month and they don't. And then I look at the Gina's and I have other examples, but I look at them and I go, well, wait a minute, shouldn't we be all modeling after the systems that work? We should. <laughs> but I mean, that makes sense. How many times do you sit maybe here at, at your work at my, you know, any places I've worked and it's always the people and I don't mean to offend anybody, but I mean, it's always the people who are struggling with the weight the most right. that have the most advice to give. Have you ever noticed yeah, that? Yeah, that's probably true. That's <laughs> They're probably the ones true. sitting around the kitchen telling you not to eat that, and you're looking at them going, wait a minute, I mean, you've been struggling with this for a really long time. But the people who like are the role models, you know, they don't say anything. It's, it's kind of like, do it. they just do it. just do it. And so it's like, maybe it's worth every once in a while You've got somebody like that in your family or a good friend. Just say, hey, what do you do? You know, that, yeah. I think that really works well. Well, and, you know, uh, society is pushing portion size out of control. I mean, right. when, when I look at the plates, the dinner plates I grew up with, which were older. Right. And then I look, now I've been married. I'll be coming up to 30 years. Now, when I, when I and even then, the Mikasa plate. It's a big plate, man. Right. You know, and so you think, well, I got plenty of room to fill it up. And so I think that we, you know, there's just, it's a whole uh, fun conspiracy theory about eating and the food and all those things. But I want to go back to one thing you said, which is interesting. You'll lay out diet plans for a month. Or longer, yes. Or longer. Mm-hmm. And the person will start out, they're gung-ho, they're, do they see results pretty quickly? Like, you know... Some do, some don't. Um, you know, I always can tell, basically within the first week, how somebody's going to do. And, and you can't lie to your trainer. Uh, uh, no. And, Sorry. And, and, and the <laughs> trainers, or at least in my case, like, we don't like to lie to them either. So I literally, about, a, I don't know, a couple months ago, um, you know, fired a weight loss client within the first week because... Now, it's great to start out gung-ho, right? Yeah. It's really bad to, like, not even start out gung-ho. Yeah, that's not going to work, probably. Right. And so, like, right off the bat, when I send them a meal plan, I always check, like, because, you know, you can send meal plans, but if you're using, you know, MyFitnessPal or things like that, you can be friends with the people and you can check with their eating accountability, right? So I'd go in, I'm like, well, you didn't log this meal or you didn't eat this meal and all these excuses. And I said, you know what? I've been doing this too long. This is not going to work. you got to trust the system. So you, you kind of get both. Yeah. I will say, sadly, most people who get on these types of meal plans don't see success. We hate doing it. I mean, to be honest with you. You would prefer not to. I would prefer not to. You would to. prefer to just say, here are the principles. You know, John, that book right in front of you right there? Yeah. That's why I wrote it, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, being an independent author and all that, you're not going to make a million dollars on your books, right? Right. So I didn't write it for that reason. It was like, I get so many clients, and I love working with the ones that want to feel better. I love working with the ones that want to work on their ADLs, activities of daily living, get stronger, train for things, uh, or just work out in general, right? 
but it's the ones that say, well, I want to lose weight. It's like, okay, I hand them a book now. I'm like, look. Oh, that's smart. You've got to do this on your own. Yeah. I can't you hold You can't your do hand. it for them. No, it's like, Just it's like, like kids. alcoholism, yeah. right? It's like drugs yeah. and alcohol. It's yeah. like you got to do it yourself. You got to be want. Yeah, Ooh, it's hard yeah. though. It's very hard. So, so what is it? Do you think that has people fall off of the plan? Well, so there's this model we use called the trans theoretical model. You guys might have heard of it um, with any kind of behavior change, but basically there's six steps, and the the sixth step is relapse. So um, the studies have shown that if somebody makes it all the way up to maintenance, right, maintenance is the best stage to be in. There's, you know, there's, I won't bore you with all of them, but you lead up to it, you get to maintenance. Maintenance is where we want everybody to be. It means that you're on your diet, you're eating well, you're doing, like I'm in maintenance, like I have a way of eating that I've eaten for years and years and years. So studies have shown that the only thing that really makes you fall off of maintenance is a life-changing event. So a divorce, uh, death in the family, change of right. jobs, right. something like that will make somebody kind of slide If they're backwards. in maintenance. If they're in maintenance. But most people don't get most to that. Most people don't get in the maintenance. It's very good. Yeah. Uh, and the number one reason why people fall off that don't make it to maintenance is because they don't see what they anticipated as results quick enough. Interesting. And that's true with all of it, whether it be strength, whether it be sports, whether it be food. If they think they're supposed to be 30 pounds down and they get 10 pounds down within, say, three months or so, we might look at that and go, hey, you know what? That's pretty good. I mean, that's better than you were. Right. They may not see it that way. And then they get the old, oh, the heck with it approach and fall off. So, and then the other thing, though, I want to bring up is there's an element of, you know, I guess it's effort versus reward. And maybe mm-hmm. that's kind of what you're talking about. That but is. I may start something and I may decide, yeah, it's going great. Love it. Um, I'll give you an example. So I wrote Rob one day and I said, is it better to do cardio after strength training or on separate cardio days? And guess what he wrote back? <laughs> what did he write back? Well, it, it, it does depend on the situation, but ideally... It's better to do both. Yeah, he wrote back both, which is not the answer (laughs) I wanted, Rob. I wanted you to point me in one direction. But the interesting thing is, since I've started cardio afterwards... We call that uh, fasting cardio, by the way. Fasting cardio. Yeah, which it does work. Yeah, well, I mean, it can't hurt, right? No, no. That's the way I look at it. Right, right. But the interesting thing is, I used to dread cardio. Dread it. right. But then a long time ago, I came and did a VO2 max with you, and we decided that I didn't have to have my heart rate at astronomical, uncontrollable levels. Right, right. That's a great which I point. did not like. Right, right. So now uh, I cheat a little bit because my heart runs a little hot. And But, you know, you said if you're 95, I go about 125 because I just mm-hmm. want to go a little bit more. And I do it with the hardest tension but I don't have to like pedal so hard. Right. So I enjoy that. And then the other thing is I found a podcast and a documentary Mm -hmm. and that for, you know, all those combinations of things, I actually look forward to it now, which is so weird. So what, how do we find, or how does all, how do all those pieces kind of play together in getting somebody to stick with, 
something? Yeah, it, that uh, I love that question. And um, yes, because, you know, as an exercise physiologist and trainer and all that, so, you know, diet's great. And I know that's what, you know, primarily 90% of the about, deal. Right? I'll believe it now that you said it. But <laughs> at the same time, though, like, I wish everybody would exercise. Like, it's like, it's got so many benefits yeah, just besides diet. I mean, it, you feel better. I mean, everything about it. Gina, the 98-year-old, isn't where she is from not exercising. She's been exercising basically her whole life. Exercise is great. So that's one of the things I enjoy doing is really helping people find what they're going to stick to, yeah. right? And everything you just said is so true. So we are all... I don't care if somebody's been diagnosed or not. We are all ADHD these days, right? True. With our phones, with yeah. you know, we're constantly dialed in, and I'm just like you. You know, this morning I did a walk for my cardio. That's what I did, and then I did a little run afterwards, right? And then I did some weights at the gym. But I had on a podcast. No, I had an audio book on this morning. It was a long enough walk, and then I had a podcast. So for me, that works really, really well. Now. To, to give you some good news on what you stated about low-intensity or lower-intensity cardio, studies have shown we do not have to be in the 90%, 95% to get benefits. It's it really, such a relief to me. Uh, I it, mean, it comes down uh, to duration and intensity. So right. if we want to stay like around 60%, which is really low, like that's probably a lot lower than you were at today. Right. You're, how old are you? 53. So at 125, that's probably closer to 70, 75% for yeah. you, right? Yeah. So that's moderate. So if, if we're at a low intensity, like even lower than that, say 60%, and we just go longer, 45 minutes to an hour, we're going to get the same benefits to our ticker that we would if we went shorter for higher intensities. So what, and, and a lot of people love to argue, you know, all the talking heads in fitness like to say, oh, no, you got to do HIT, you know, H-I-T-T. Right, right. I tried that, and it's it, too much for me, man. And everybody's different. And the, me the reality is Dr. Pollock at University of Florida, who I don't think is around anymore, but he was one of the icons that I studied when I was studying exercise phys, Jackson Pollock. They did all of the studies on this. They, it, this. This isn't a mystery. We know this. Lower intensity cardio for longer periods of time works just as well. So people have to just find what they like that, to do. I guess that's it. You got to try different things, yes. right? And some people, though, are not like you and I. Like I'm like you. I, I love to bike. I like to bike long. Right. And if I'm biking long, I promise you I'm not biking hard. So, I, you know, I might go for three-hour rides on the weekend. I love to just get on the trail down in Edgewater and head towards Titusville. It's like right. it's so mind-clearing for me. Yeah. I'm at a very low heart rate. I'll probably go through almost a whole audio book, a podcast. It feels good to me. Like, it's just yeah. great for my brain and everything else. Some people hate it. Some people need to be like 15 minutes of cardio, bing, bang, boom, one minute easy, one minute hard. Right. Okay. They both have advantages and disadvantages, right. but they both work. So really the key is to get people to exercise is, is try a lot of things, find what you like, and don't always believe people that aren't real experts that might tell you you have to do HIT, right? HIT's the new thing. Everybody's now feels like they have to do HIT, you know, right. high-intensity exercise. It's like that's great if you don't have a lot of time or if you enjoy it. But if you don't enjoy it, a great walk every morning is really beneficial as well. Matter of fact, Ellen and I at the gym all the time tell people, you know, 
why don't you walk? Like walking is so yeah. important, you know, just get up, go for a nice long walk. Yeah. And, and, you know, being outside and, you know, there are businesses now where you can go outside and take a quiet walk. You pay mm-hmm. somebody to take a quiet walk with you. Right. I mean, it's so weird, but whatever. <laughs> um, you know, there'll always be things like that, I think. Of course. But, you know, as, as we think about this, I was just thinking about, so I'm a huge music guy. I know yep. you are too. Yes. And it used to be that that was the only option you had. Right to work out well uh and i love listening to music when i work out and it's great but at the same time um podcasts and books and i mean i i just listened slash watched um a a a documentary on Mm hip-hop on netflix and it was like 20 20 episodes or something yeah but i was excited to get in there so i think you're right you got to try different different exercises and for some people, I think exercise and the mind just go together. But but maybe some people need to have some entertainment happening at the same time. But then I look at the gym where I am, and I'm like, you know, why am I doing this? Because I'm never going to be a big, huge, strong guy. I'm never, you know, going to bench press 230. It's not going to happen for me. Right. But I look at what you just brought up, which is, and this was true for my father, who was who had diabetes uh, till he till he passed away, and he got to the point where he was having trouble getting out of his chair, mm-hmm. and he went to the gym and got a trainer, and I can't tell you what that did for him. So I guess my my point is, in what you do, people have different goals, right? But vanity's one, right? That's one. It's a big one for me. I'll right. just be honest. It's and the other thing normal. is, I'd like to live a long time, right? And enjoy my life, right? You Quality know? of life. So how do you go about figuring out how what that motivator is for your clients? Well, so you, the the important part is we always sit down with them and do an assessment. And um, I'm a pretty good reader of people, you know, and it's important to really ask the right questions. You know, I mean, we go through our little, uh, you know, um, exercise readiness questionnaire type of thing, and it has all the standard stuff on there, blood sugar levels, you know, joint injuries, all that. It, that tells you some things, you know. How they it, answer the questions tells you, right? Right, if yeah. they answer them. Some people are you. just so like, oh, you know, check things off. But I like to ask a lot of questions. You know, I like to f- kind of find out what's really going on in their mind. And then sometimes one of the best motivators for people though is you've got to be brutally honest with them and you know i'm fortunate i've been doing this a long time so i've got a waiting list at the gym so we don't have to beat down the doors for business so that's a good fortunate place to be so i don't have to take a lot of clients and you know when we do i go through i (laughs) i really interview them as much as they interview me because i want to make sure this is a good fit but if I notice something in the beginning where they seem like they're kind of like not overly serious or they're not like being honest with me about what their goals are, sometimes you got to smack them on the forehead a little bit and go, okay, well, if not getting out of a chair is not a big deal to you, you know, what are you going to do in 20 years? Right. You know, sometimes you have to point out things to people and go, well, you're not overly motivated. Can you sit up? Out? We're, we're literally as we speak right now at my gym, somebody there is having somebody get in and out of the chair. It's been my thing all week. It's funny you brought it up. Yes. I just want to see if they can do it. And when they can't, I say, see, so you told me for 
a month now why you don't think squats are important right. because a squat is getting out of a chair. And now you can't get out of a chair. And they say, oh, wow. So I think sometimes a hard smack of reality yeah. is going to get somebody to go. And I'll say, okay, so you know, who's going to pull you out of that chair tomorrow? And they look at me and go, well, my wife. And I say, how does that make you feel? Pretty helpless. I'm right. like, right. So are you maybe motivated to do these squats? So you got to be rough on them. So a these bit. are people who are in your program, yeah, but they don't want to. They don't want to do. They're doing it because they have. They <laughs> just ha- the, have to. Here's the answer to that, and, and you you probably can relate. Maybe here, I don't know, but uh, other trainers will shake their head and go, "Yep, it's the spouse syndrome." Uh, <laughs> yeah, spouse comes in fired up, ready to roll. Yeah, sees that you get a little discount when you bring the other person. Uh huh. The other person does not want to be there. Oh. <laughs> It happens. Or the kids. Yeah. They'll bring the kids. Right, right. So it's like one is super fired up, and everything you talk about, they're they're nodding, and they, they want to get yep. better, and one's like, I don't see why I have to do any of this. Right. So sometimes you have to show them. And, you know, that's their choice, too. If they're sure. like, you know what, yeah. I don't care if I can get out of a chair when I'm 60. It's like, okay, then you right. don't care. But I think we have to understand, you know, as we're starting to get older, that, yes, I'm vain, too. Vanity is... Fine. It really is. Well, if it gets it's you a in the motivator. Gym, it works. It's a right. motivator. I mean, but we have to also understand that there are things that, like, we're not going to be able to do if we don't take care of ourselves. And sure. I, and I don't think we want to be the one in the family that nobody wants to take to Disney World because right. they're waiting on them all the time, or they have yeah. to stop, or they true. have so to get true. a chair yep. for them. Um, you know, we don't want to be that person. You know, I my my daughter who is a freshman. In college at DSC here, she doesn't know where she's going to go or second, uh, whatever. But she also works at Publix, and she's worked her way up in management, you know, good kid. And she tells me the stories of how many people now, and it's sad, but are disabled and use the carts and use the the majority of people at most grocery stores now are not healthy. Yeah, they're that, obese, yeah. and they're relying. Well, on that's other across means. the. I right. just read a study yesterday about. Um, how um, diabetes is ju- is going to oh, grow like crazy. And, it's even in kids now, type and, two. Um, yeah, and so we clearly have issues. But okay, so but but let's flip the the table for a second, and right. we have we're we're supposed to wrap up in thirty minutes. Yep. But we're going to ask one more question. Yes. So people have to do it themselves. Yes. You got to make the commitment yourself to do it yourself. Right. You have to know um, what's going to work for you, but. What about somebody who doesn't feel good about themselves right, right now? Right, right. And what what is your advice to them? And we'll close out with this with this answer. But what is your advice to them on how to get into what can be overwhelming? It's overwhelming, man. It's like yes. okay, I'm 50 pounds overweight, yep. and I, you know, now I give up. Right. 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 So what do I do? I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to piggyback on what I was saying because I wanted to make sure that I'm clear that. Like, the people that we see out in public, grocery stores, wherever, like, it's sad. Like, it's not like it's uh, making fun of them. It's a sad state of affairs. So, and it is overwhelming. And we see these people, and I look at them, and I think, you know, you can't be happy, right? Picking on somebody who's who's already in a bad situation, like, making them feel worse about themselves is not a good thing, right? So my advice to them and all of us really is... Really be careful, and this is more towards the younger because the older people are better about this anyway, but 
really be careful about the social media because too many times we're comparing ourselves. And, you know, I think you and I talked about it on the way up my last podcast, but we're comparing ourselves out of fitness because we're assuming that the benchmark might be what somebody is posting about and might think, well, I can't do that. I can't exercise three hours a day. And and I always say to people like that, you don't need to. They're not necessarily healthy because they're working out three times a day. They're probably unemployed and obsessed. That's not right. right. So I think the advice is that like somehow, some way, don't compare yourself to anybody. No, but we yourself. really shouldn't. No, get your physical through your doctor, right? right? Whoever your doctor is, trust them, run your numbers. From there, understand wholeheartedly that fitness exercise is going to make your whole life better. Yeah. Don't compare. Get a trainer or, you know, go to a gym that's got adequate supervision or whatever and just start. Yeah. You know, uh, Gary Jones, who founded Hammer Strength Equipment, you know, his, he's the son of Arthur Jones, who founded right. Nollis. Well, I know Gary. And he put me in my place one day at a lunch. It was really kind of funny. He's a super cool guy, and I'm talking about uh, – it was me and a, a, a doctor. I won't say his name because I think he works here. And he put us both, me and the doc, in our place because he because we're going on and on about smart goals, specific, attainable, measurable, blah blah blah. You know, five percent of this, five percent of that. And he looked at us and he goes, "Guys, just get better, okay? Great point. <laughs> You're making this way too complicated yep. for people. All they have to do is get better." And he keeps saying over and over, "One is infinitely greater than zero. Just get better." That was like ten years ago. And that really stood out. So now every time I work with somebody who seems, feels, or looks, whatever, hopeless, I'll say to them, I'll say, look, you'll feel better tomorrow if you eat better today, eat for sustainability today, you know, eat nutrient-dense foods, don't binge, do some form of a workout, even if it's 10 minutes, you will feel better tomorrow. Right. And then tomorrow you can feel, you know, shoot and it for builds. feeling better. It right. does build. Right. It's just a little bit at a time. Yeah. Staying off of certain social media where you might see people that are really not overly authentic anyway. Right. I mean, this stuff is filtered and, you know, it's it's been edited and all this good kind of stuff. So, you know, it doesn't do us a lot of good to, to follow people like that. I'm not saying everybody does, but I know the younger generation, my daughter was really struggling with that. And I had to tell her, I said, Joanna, don't, don't worry about that. Just you, you know, exercise the way you want to exercise and don't follow these people, you know, and it, it's a hard thing, I think, in all realms of life. Really. It is, but it's definitely gotten more complicated. Yes. This has been a great talk with Rob Maxwell. He is the author of You Can't Outrun a Poor Diet, which we talked a little bit about. And there is a method to the madness, which I think is a great title because uh, I remember when you were you, you were asking what the what the uh, what the cover should be not long ago, and here it is in print, which is amazing. That's right. Um, and so we have been under the tower. This has been a little bit of a departure because Rob isn't uh, a team member here, but I felt like anything we can do to help people get on the right track to living healthier, we owe it to uh, to us all. So thank you so much, Rob. I appreciate it, John. Thank you very much.